everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And the World Series of Poker is underway, not like it usually is, but uh, I guess we'll have to accept that for now. The online series uh, started uh, on Wednesday, and uh, they are playing event number seven today. So the first week of the series pretty much completing today. Uh, they did have a, uh, a uh, tournament on 4th of July, and they are actually having tournaments every single day for the month of July on WSOP.com for the American players. Uh, starting July 19th, they'll bring in the European contingent on GG Poker, and there'll be a few tournaments overlapping once that happens. But uh, just a completely different situation. Last week, we talked with a couple of our local players, uh, Howard Mash and Michael Tate, and we had a good time talking about uh, the way they're going to adjust to things out there. Howard uh, defending his title in the Seniors Championship, which will be later in the month on July 30th. Uh, but let's bring uh, my partner Joe Rodriguez in. Um, none of this means anything to you, basically, because uh, <laughs> you're a local live guy. And uh, when was the last time you went to Vegas? Oh, good Lord. I'm trying to remember now. Um, yeah, let me see. I've been back at work for a year and a half. Well, the last time I was there, uh, Big Dave, was actually when um, the tragedy shooting. I left. Oh, right. That tragedy occurred, I believe, on Saturday or Sunday. And I had left Vegas that Thursday or Friday. So. I think it's been like three years now. It's amazing yeah. how time goes by. But uh, anyway, uh, they are uh, playing out there. There's uh, not the My... – go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but – my brother just got back from Vegas a couple of nights ago. He says it's like a ghost town. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> he says, you know, there obviously no entertainment venues. Very few of the restaurants uh, are open. Um, it, you know, he, he, he's a systems player that he loves. So he goes, I love to hit and run. He goes, and in Vegas, there's usually a million things to do. He goes, now all you can do is gamble there. So uh, <laughs> he goes, it's 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 eerie. He didn't say scary. He said it was kind of eerie, you know, seeing how Vegas is right now. Uh, there's one story I didn't pull up, and I'd like to uh, run by it a little bit. Uh, Gary Trask, who writes for uh, Online Casino Times, uh, wrote an article about the top 10 things he'll miss about not being in Vegas. And it made me stop and think, uh, besides all the obvious Big name players, Negranu and Helmuth and uh, Mike Matisau and all the people that are out there playing right now uh, from wherever, from their apartments or from a hotel or or uh, from New Jersey. Who knows where they are? But uh, um, there's just tens of thousands of people that are affected by this event not being played. You think about, um, you know, all the dealers that uh, there's no need for dealers. Uh, you talk about all the staff it takes to run a, a huge tournament with the press. Probably some of those are working. Uh, all the people who are hired on to handle the massive crowds, uh, they have a special food room that people go to, and, and uh, you know, all those people are not hired again. So uh, the loss of 
financial revenue for employees of the World Series of Poker is just massive. It, it is, Dave. And, and like you said, how about all those people also going to, you know, like you said, local restaurants? Uh, it, 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 you know, it's a it's a hell of a trickle down effect. Uh, you know, when you when when you don't have what is I don't know what the the normal numbers are. What are you figuring? A hundred thousand extra people there. Uh, for I'd the say World more Series than that, probably. Okay. okay, so think about that. Like if that were to happen with uh, with the Super Bowl, which actually may not be a far fetched idea, as things are still going that way. But um, you know, we saw how much money March Madness, the cancellation of March Madness, cost the books over there. The, you know, the casinos, as far as sports booking is concerned. Now we're seeing an event that not only hits them, you know, in the pocketbook as far as the rake is concerned, but like you said, how many dealers? I I worked with a young lady, and I'm sure there are thousands of them like this, that every year she used to, you know, would go down there, and they made very good money. You know, we, we, we've had Mark Perlman, uh, one of our favorite guests on the show, who made good money when he was working those those venues out there. So... Like you mentioned, it is so many people affected. Then you're talking about the airline industry also affected with, you know, obviously all those people going in over there. I mean, you know, when you start to think about it, it's an incredible number of people that are, you know, economically affected by what's by the cancellation of the WSOP. How about the extra maids and cleaning people that they have to hire? You can imagine, uh, you know what your room looks like at the end of the night. Can you imagine if there's 500 tables in three different huge ballrooms, what the messes must be like and how many people they need to employ to clean that up? I can't even imagine what that is because, you know, obviously they have large staffing for that, but you need so much more during those special times. Another another industry that's affected heavily by that, the uh, the car companies, you know, <laughs> Uber, Uber, and the taxis and Uber. all that. My, my brother told me that over there now it was taking, you know, fifteen twenty minutes to get an Uber, and he goes yeah. before when he because my brother used to you know goes at least once sometimes twice a year to go out there and his daughter used to live out there so he goes and visits out there and he goes you know an Uber's there within minutes you know you call while you're walking to the designated pickup zone and usually within moments the the uber's there so yeah it is so many different people that are affected by this and it is a damn shame that 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 is going on because you know some people really need this income not just for the day-to-day living but for their yearly annual you know to take care of all different types of bills yeah, for sure. I'm sure there's just like uh, I think about the Kentucky Derby and how many people, how many uh, mutual clerks travel up there to take bets in the infield and wherever. Uh, you know, it's just a one day event. But this That's, is a yeah. this is seven weeks. And I can imagine that people who like to drive, uh, people who are su- successful Uber drivers probably say, hey, I'm going to go to Vegas and just drive cars out there. Well, <laughs> not this just, year, but before you- that. You just like I can't just let's say because listen I I I haven't driven in over a month for Uber but I just can't leave the state of Florida and start Uber driving yeah uh, they they won't allow it well but, yeah you got to set but, up ahead of time but that, yeah, that can be done 
it could be done. It could be done. But uh, again, it, it's, it's so hard. I mean, uh, and all the nightclubs out there, you know, when that, listen, I know how, uh, how uh, special events here in South Florida, Dave, affect, and, you know, since you're talking about Uber drivers, Uber and Lyft drivers, um, you know, whenever they're the uh, Art Basel, uh, any of the sporting events, you know, uh, the, the, the tennis, any of these events are in town. It's amazing. You don't stop working as a driver. You literally, because there's so many parties before the events, after the events, you know, for, for the week or two weeks at a time. And when you have events that cross, like the last time I did this, I remember um, the the Ultra Festival was on. And, and you know, it, it was brutal to get into Key Biscayne, but it was nonstop along with the tennis. And like I said, it's... Uh, so many people affected, David. We could sit here for the whole show and discuss uh, all the different people that are affected greatly by by that not that event not taking place. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a player, uh, Melissa Burr, that I follow on uh, Twitter. Uh, she's a very good mixed game player, and uh, she's been kind of uh, coming up with this idea of talking about. Uh, this would be day three or day five of the series if it had kicked off on a normal time on May the 27th. And she kind of has, she's a great sense of humor and uh, she uses the hashtag uh, would be at WSOP and talks about different things that would be happening and and some funny things that she's dealt with in the past. Uh, She kind of starts off her article with talking about, you know, people that would be going out there for the first time. Obviously the sport is growing. And, uh, you know, people would have been heading out there for the first time if things were normal. And, uh, you know, it's it's a, it's an unbelievable experience when you first walk into that room for the first time. I remember Chris Bolick talked about, golly, you just you look in there and you look up and see how many uh, things are there that you've seen on the TV shows and 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 the amount of number of people are amazing. It's just an incredible experience that, that everybody's missing out on. It, it really is, and I believe what was it this year it was supposed to start on the third, wasn't it? No, uh, the uh, the first event was supposed to start on May twenty seventh. No, no, I'm talking about the oh the main, main event. event. The main event was main it event was going to. I think it was going to start on the third. If it's I'm either the, the third or the fifth, right? You know, no, I think it was today. right after Fourth of July. So we we were probably uh, on the day that it would have started. You know, pretty much right today. Today would have been the seventh. So. Today we would have been waiting to see what the final number of entries were would have been because right it's usually a three day event so if it had started right after the fourth we're looking at that today would have been uh, day three a or whatever however they number that uh, you know and we would have been thinking oh are they going to break the numbers <laughs> yeah. are, are, are the numbers going to be over eight nine thousand people and uh, you know we have a lot of fun with that every single year. Well, we get to some results from the early events. There's six events in the books. Uh, we'll talk about it. There are some big names that have been uh, final tabling and doing pretty well. Uh, it seems like all the winners, there's not a whole lot of people that I'm real familiar with, to be honest. And I guess that can be expected from a lot of online players uh, doing very well. Well, I haven't. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I've seen anything of that. 
How are the numbers been for these events, Dave? Have uh, you been able to watch them at all? Well, down from line, there's really nothing to compare it to. So No, but uh, I'm, 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 no, I'm not saying it's a comparison. I'm just curious as to how many people are entering online for this for the specific events, being that the buy-ins are a lot more sensible. Yeah. Not, the, you know, a lot cheaper. I don't know what the, if I'm using the right word for it, but uh, – affordable should maybe be the proper word for it. Well, I'll, I'll try to pull it up as we're talking here and see if I can give you some direct numbers of entries because, uh, um, you know, again, I, it's, it's hard to compare, but uh, uh, we can always do that uh, here. But uh, I want to talk about uh, a little bit later about an article by Jonathan Little uh, because, you know, they, we can run down results and all that sort of thing. But he had a really good article that came out today about people just starting the game. I was thinking a lot about it, that people are going to the World Series for the first time. So uh, kind of some of the things you learn early when you're playing. So we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, one, The first champion, by the way, is Jonathan Dockler was the uh, opening event winner. He is known as Art Vandalay uh, online. Uh, it's a funny thing is going through some of these names and, and they are identifying pretty much all the players by their real names as well using the uh, online handles, kind of like their middle name. But uh, Phil Helmuth finished 11th in his first tournament. Uh, John, or, uh, Daniel Negreanu has had some pretty deep runs. Uh, the opening tournament uh, was a third-place finish for uh, Tony Dunst. So uh, names are popping out that you see, but, uh, again, some of the champions are, are not so obvious. Well, yeah, again, I, I said I really would like to know how many people were entering these, but it is well, interesting that we have a lot of Let me see what I can pull up here. Let me see what I can pull up here. Okay. 1,715 entries in the opener, which was a $500 buy-in. So uh, the prize pool was about uh, three quarters of a million dollars. So right. seven seventeen fifteen. Uh, tournament number two was a eight-handed deep stack. Uh, Nine hundred nineteen entries. And for how much was the buy-in? That was that a thousand. That was a thousand thousand dollar buy-in. So again, about three quarters of a million in the prize pool. Uh, you know, nothing to sneeze at. Uh, Friday the 3rd, which is more of, I guess, the holiday weekend getting underway, there was a $400 tournament, uh, 2,091. Uh, tournament 4 was a Super Turbo on the 4th of July itself, 1,179 players, a $500 buy-in for that one. Uh, tournament number 5 was a freeze-out. And there's a funny story out there about Mike Matisau not really realizing it was a freeze out and uh, caused him to go into a uh, profanity laced uh, tirade against one of the players. Uh, he That was a thousand dollar buy in. Eight fifty four was the number in that one. And then a PLO eight. Uh, 883. That's a nice turnout there for a for a six hundred dollar tournament. PLO eight six handed. Yeah, so that's about half a million they got there roughly. And so, they're currently playing. Uh, they're currently playing event seven, which is a knockout tournament, knockout deep staff. About a little less than five hundred players remaining. I don't have a total number yet for the tournament on that one. And if I remember our from one of our guests uh, last week, what are they doing for the the main event this year? Is a five thousand dollar buy in with uh, multiple you know uh, levels that you can re enter. Correct. Is that correct? Yeah. Let me even pull that up. 
I don't I, I don't have it right here handy, but I'll see if I can while you're talking, I'll see if I can pull it down. Okay. Yeah, because I that would be interesting because I believe one of our guests said it was a twenty five million dollar prize pool guarantee. No, that's the one on, on GG poker. Oh, okay. So it's not here. That's not part of the WSOP. That, it, well it is, but it's the uh European you know, side. European players, yeah. I got it. Okay, here it is. That one's on uh, August 30th, a $5,000 buy-in, $25 million guarantee, and you have to play on GG Poker. So uh, uh, the biggest tournament on the, uh, on the Vegas side would be the 31st, July 31st, which is uh, the, called the Championship. But it's a thousand dollar buy-in, no, now, no guarantee. Dave, the tournaments that you mentioned now that these that you know Daniel and Phil and you know Tony Dunst, all these people, these this this was done here in the United States. Yeah, that's what that's, that's uh, you have to be on either in either New Jersey or Nevada, Nevada. playing on WSOP.com. Have they broken down how many players are you know have entered these things from uh, from either state by any chance? To Where, let us know. No, no, I haven't heard seen any breakdown. It's a little too early for that, I think. Okay. I'm curious to see if they're getting a lot more people out of the New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania area, or or the, or if everybody from California is going into Nevada. So. Yeah. Well, I know uh, I've talked to a couple of players uh, that uh, would not feel bad about uh, venting the rules a little bit. That can. Uh, there's ways you can. Uh, get a special kind of modem to get into uh, get into some of these tournaments. And I don't know how seriously they're going to crack down on that, but uh, you know, the whole, the whole idea of having to be in New Jersey or uh, outside of the country is uh, not, not uh, I think a hundred percent true. Well, let's, <laughs> that's going to be very interesting if they do find out that a lot of people are playing uh, in different States. So the, that that thing I think is going to open up another can of worms if that happens to be true. Yeah. Well, let's uh, take a little look at uh, some of the early events, and uh, you know I know how much you love this, but uh, uh, certainly there's some interesting things when you see some of the names that pop out. I mentioned the winner of the opening event, Jonathan Dockler, won 130,000. Tony Dunst finished third in that one. The series, uh, the second uh, event, was uh, won by Lewis Lynch, who plays under the name poke these uh joseph chong had a pretty good run in that one uh, ben Yu finished 77th harrison gimbal 48th brian picholi 31st and uh, negranu uh went pretty deep as well I, I, let's see i don't think i think he got to the final table so uh let's see if i get an exact one on that no, he did not make the final table, but he had a, a fairly deep run into that. He was said he was willing to bet up to a million dollars on winning a bracelet before the series began. Uh, ended up getting knocked out in a tough hand with pocket nines, running into pocket tens of uh, Matt Mendez. Wow. So that was event two. Event three won by Robert Kuhn, who uh, uses the name Bustin' Balls. Negreanu uh, cashed in that one, but uh, it was a min cash for your 210th place. Uh, Ari Engel had a pretty good run in that one, but the final table included uh, 
um, Roland uh, Israel Lashvili, and uh, no other big names at the final table as far as I could see. Uh, event four was the Super Turbo, the $500 buy-in. Matt Bodie, who plays under the name Bo Deister, uh, was the winner. Frank Marasco, who uh, recently won a tournament in uh, the online series. In fact, the main event of that online series that was in May. Uh, he was in fourth place. Kevin McPhee finished fifth. And then uh, if the next event, number five, was won by Alan Chang. Uh, and uh, he defeated Philip Ye at the final table to win that tournament. And then the tournament that just finished the uh, pretty good turnout there, 883 entries in the PLO 8, six max, $600 buy-in. The winner was uh, Nathan Gamble. So uh, when you look down the list of top people, you do see some names of people who did okay. But, uh, you know, one of our friends that's been on the show, David Prochak, finished uh, 122nd in that one. Negrano finished 59th, Chance Corner 39th, and Mike Matisau 37th. So uh, those are a few other names. Things just getting going. The guys we had on last week, they're not going to play until later in the month. So, uh Everybody seems to be kind of having some fun with it. But, uh, you know, again, I want to talk a little bit about that article about the someone who's been to the series every year and the things he's going to miss about it this year. <laughs> the things he's going to miss about it? Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to. I, well, <laughs> I, I'm going to miss I'm going to miss this main event. Uh, I've been enjoying it the last last few years, especially since they brought it back from the November 9th. So. I don't know about you, Dave. I, I've enjoyed the last few uh, years that they've done this. Uh, they only take that short, what is it, one or two-day break? Right. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, yeah. uh, let me look that up during the break. We'll take our first one here on the show. Um, you're listening to Poker Action Line. You can always pick us up on SoundCloud or on Spotify. We'd love to have you review the show subscribe to it so that you get notifications when the show is out each week. Uh, you know, we'll, uh, obviously it's going to be very tough to get any guests over the next four weeks, but, uh, as, uh, some new names arise and some big names, uh, have some success, we'll try to nail a couple of them down to do uh, a phoner, uh, down the road. Uh, but you can always listen to the show on Holden radio network on the poker fuse podcast page on poker action line. We have our archive on there as well. And uh, iTunes, uh, just go ahead and search Poker Action Line or Big Dave Lemon on there, and you can find the show and pick it up. We'll be back with more as we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line, and we'll be right back after these messages. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Welcome back to the show, Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez, another edition of Poker Action Line, coming to you from South Florida, uh, actually coming to you from our homes, uh, as usual. 
I, I thought it was cool last week when we actually had five people on the screen. I, I, I <laughs> certainly not uh, one of those huge uh, Zoom conferences that you see on the NFL draft and some of those well, things. But uh, hey, it was kind of like a progressive commercial. I, I were you able to see our guests? Because last week I couldn't see them. No, we didn't have their. They didn't have their cameras on. So. Oh, okay. That would have been, that been better. <laughs> That's my goal here. Before we get back to uh, regular life, if we do ever get back to regular life, I would like to to have about ten people and uh, you know direct like an orchestra there. <laughs> do uh, that Hamilton uh, thing that they did on. Uh, Krasinski's thing where they keep going to all the different pictures. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, just just reading down some of those results as I did before the break, and you know, I uh, you know some people get more about out of it than others. I kind of look at it when I look back at previous shows that kind of a historical record of some of the things that have happened. But I couldn't help feeling very empty when I did that, not really knowing who most of the players are. Uh, you know, if, if, if you just identify them by their screen name, you may not know at all. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think we get a tremendous amount as poker fans of watching players that are well-known that we've uh, seen win tournaments and, and play in tournaments and, and not having as many there takes something away from it for me. Yeah, I mean, and I didn't even think about that, but it's it's just what you just said, you know, just seeing the screen name and not actually knowing who's behind that name and the person, you know, even if it's not a very famous person, but if someone's doing well in the tournament, we always know a little background on them at least. And this is a little different, makes it a little uh, less, you know, makes it impersonal, you know, you're just like... I don't know. It's <laughs> I, I'm like you. It takes a little bit away for it for me too, Dave. But you do have your characters still. Uh, I want to talk about this little situation uh, in the tournament with Mike Matisau. Um He was playing in event number five, which was the $1,000 freeze out. Uh, but pretty early in the tournament, he was dealt ace queen and the big blind. And three-bet player named Wolverine17. Uh, Mattisau, uh, his opponent, uh, proceeded to call and then checked a 10-high flop. Mattisau opted to shove with his two overcards. And uh, the opponent had laid a trap with pocket aces. So runner-runner uh, cards didn't save him. And that pretty much crippled him. And then he busted out. Uh, on the very next hand. So he, first of all, they said he was really upset because he didn't realize it was a freeze out. So he just kind of made a call without thinking too much about it uh, and said, uh, you know, he didn't thought he could buy right back in. So he started cursing out this player. And uh, he said, any, if anybody can find out the name of this guy, you'll get an extra $50 bonus. If you sign up for my home game. So he said, normally anybody on this stream signs up gets 250 for the 200, but I'll give you 300 for your 200. He said, I hate effing scumbags in poker. People like him make people not want to play. And now, wait a minute. Wait, wait. Let me see if I got this correct. He was upset with the guy who, who, who set the trap for with the aces? Yeah. Why was he upset with the guy who set the trap? Because he's Mike Matisau, that's why. 
So he's he, the the guy made a made a, a very brilliant play. Got you know trapped him. Uh, you know if, if he had flopped a, a straight or a, or the flush or two queens, you know <laughs> he he would have he wouldn't have been saying anything. I I don't understand this. You know, he's upset that he couldn't buy back in because he tried to make a, ter- a terrible move by going all in after after you know uh, shooting a blank on the flop. So it amazes me that 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 he gets upset about this. Yeah, there's a there's a writer uh, DK Lappin that that actually followed it and kind of really uh, you know showed the hand on uh, Twitter. And uh, Jason Wheeler was among those who took him to task. He said, uh, he said, this is, this honestly makes me completely disgusted and feel sick to my stomach. He says, how can you do that? How many years has he been doing this stuff? Honestly, how the, how can you play ace queen that badly? That's what I was saying. You know what? Listen, he's the one, if you, if you said this correctly, he's the one who pushed in. The guy set a beautiful trap for him. Uh, You know, I, I, Again, I don't understand it. He, he should have been pissed and said, I'm pissed at myself for making such an idiotic move. And listen, I remember when Mike Manasau made a beautiful lay down down here many years ago to, to you know, a novice woman. And he goes, I hit top two, but you hit bottom set. And he wound up winning that tournament. Do you remember that? I believe it was at the aisle. And, you know, he's, a, he's an amazing player, but holy cow. Jumping up on somebody who who set him up perfectly, he should be applauding that, not not calling him a scumbag. <laughs> well, the, here's the funny thing: when it turns out, uh, they some players kind of looked into who it was, and it turned out it was a female player named Megan Milburn, uh, and he actually threatened her with physical harm, uh, and put up some pretty nasty stuff on Twitter. And said, you know, later kind of apologized and declared that, uh, oh, I won't hit no woman, but I'll call her the C word. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, Mike, Mike may be doing other things now that he's been famous for in the past <laughs> to lose his mind. So uh, I don't know. Now, again, I'm basing my comments based on that he wasn't taunted or teased or anything else. Do you know that to be the fact or not, Dave? I don't know. I, I, I don't know how it was uh, actually done. She said that, uh, you know, she didn't, she didn't slow roll him or anything like that, but she said next time she might. Well, I, I don't know how you slow roll on online. But... No, no, that's true. <laughs> you, you can't, you'll end up losing your hand. There you go. Exactly. So, uh, but again, you know, I think he's more upset with with him making such a bonehead play. And as uh, as I can't remember the name of the person who said that told him he played that ace queen so badly. There yeah, was no that, reason for that. That was uh, Jason Wheeler said that. Uh, by the way, end of the story. Uh, he was knocked out obviously on that play very early in the tournament. She went on to finish in thirty eighth place and collected. Uh, $3,164. Very good. Good for her. I, I think Mike was just very upset with himself for, for making such a bonehead play. Yeah. We know what a great, we know what a great player he really is. So, Okay. Let's get to that story. Uh, this is uh, by Gary Trask. And I kind of want to 
run it down. Um, you know, some things you might be aware of, some things you might not. So, but he talks about 10 things that he will truly miss about covering the World Series. He's a writer, so he's, he may play some here and there, but uh, it's been part of his life to go and cover the series and write stories and, and uh, that sort of thing. He said number 10 is the routine. He said usually you get up, you arrive at the Rio, start working uh, at about 11 a.m., and, uh, you know, the little things that you do, like go to the hash house of go-go at the Rio, uh, before heading to the media room, writing stories and the different things you depend on. Uh, and then you don't get out of there sometimes until the wee hours of the morning and uh, maybe just get a few hours sleep before heading back again. Uh, I've been out there three times uh, during the series in 2012, 15 and 16, I think was the last time I was out there. So uh, it's fun. It's a it's a great time. And there's so many, so many great things. Well, listen, uh, and again, as uh, you are, you weren't there. Were you there to work it a little bit? You were there working it a little bit. Well, you? just for the show, we did the show from out there. Uh, I I called in on computer, and that was the early part of the technology that we put that show together. But uh, uh, I didn't work for the series itself, but uh, you know, I was covering for Anti Up and writing some stories for them. Right, and I know you got a lot of great interviews down when you were there for for these shows. Um, I remember last year we had a friend of ours in the uh, the their 50 anniversary uh, one, Big Al Gomez, who was doing really well in it. Do you remember that Al finished like, I don't know, it was over 20-something thousand entries, and he finished. Uh, oh, the Colossus, the, yeah. The yeah. Colossus, that's it. And uh, he finished somewhere around six, 700. Yeah, that was, that was I think, a couple years ago, but I, I was not out there at that time. Yeah, but, uh, you know, they remember they changed the format. And, um, again, I can only imagine for writers and for people who have to work, work it for, you know, publications, for the media, uh, it's got to be fun, you know, that, that you have to set up a system like, like he's saying that he has to get up and, you know, was used to going here and there. So uh, I don't know if that's what you did when you were out there, Dave. Uh, say it again. Now, when you were out there, did you have like the little, uh, routine that you went through? Yeah, I did. Uh, it's funny. I got to meet some other players in the poker media, uh, Taddy Tats, uh, Tatiana Paselich, who does some of the interviews and the side interviews. I got to get to know her pretty well. She was very helpful. Had some guys I had a couple run-ins. David Tuckman uh, was not very nice to me, but uh, uh, we'll let that slide. But it was funny. The last year I went out there, uh, you know, I was able to play some online uh, games while I was working for for cash. You know, the, uh, you could sign up for WSOP, and I'm just used to playing using the free site. So I had fun uh, playing some of the smaller tournaments, uh, you know, actually make some money. Oh, good. <laughs> that was good. I know you – I remember the last time you were out there, you made some money online, didn't you? Yeah, that, I, I did. I, uh, I final tabled a, a tournament and won some. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, this other uh, thing Gary Trask mentions is the great stories, the human interest stories every year. And, you know, a lot of these make the uh, WSOP shows. They put together some interesting stuff, uh, you know, players that are uh, blind or uh, maybe ill and need to have another player like one of their relatives kind of put their chips in and, and show them the cards. 
there's some just some great stories every year. Uh, you know, there's one about an Uber driver that uh, became a poker agent uh, that ended up playing in the tournament. So there's great little stories that come out. But uh, uh, I've always uh, felt that was one of the fun things about the tournament was when the Thursday, the Tuesday night shows rolled around. There was some great human interest. Yeah, well, we've always seen that. They've always had some. Some of them have been a little bit, I don't want to say tragic, but sad uh, because we know that people are playing that, uh, you know, terminally ill. But yeah, every year there's something very interesting from some of the, from the many thousands of players that are out there. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's a lot of celebrities, obviously players like Negranu and Moneymaker and uh, the magician, Phil Helmuth, Scotty Wynn, that are uh, very uh, uh, generous with their time. They'll pose a lot with a lot of people uh, for selfies. And that's one of the fun things is to interact with the players. You could walk right in as a, as a viewer of the tournament. And there are ropes around the tables, uh, you know, around the outside of the, the outer tables. But you can, if you're, if you're lucky, you can get right up and uh, stand within three, four feet of your favorite player. Well, I, you know, I got to witness that many, many years ago in New Jersey at the Borgata when I remember seeing uh, Daniel Negrano for the first time in a tournament that he wound up winning. And as you mentioned, Mike Manisell earlier, I remember telling the story about how they called for the final six players uh, for, I believe it was a WPT uh, event down there. And uh, he tried to walk by a very large <laughs> security guy. And the guy goes, are you playing? He goes, no, but I know that guy. He goes, they asked for the players. And he walked back and told the group of people he was with, this guy obviously doesn't know who I am. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that, that's, what I, that's what I came away with. But, uh, you know, he was, he was within feet of me and Daniel Negrano. That's the beautiful thing about poker, Dave. Yeah. Not only can you get very close to these people, you can actually sit down and, and, and play against them. So yeah. that's one that's one of the great drawing cards of poker. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, number seven on his list of things he'll miss are the celebrities. And that's not talking about players, but many of the actors, uh, athletes, and others that play that come to the World Series, especially the main event and play, you know, comedians like uh, Ray Romano, Kevin Pollack, uh, George Brad Lopez, Garrett. Brad Garrett, uh, and then an actor, actresses like Jennifer Tilly and Shannon Elizabeth, Cheryl Hines. And when you think about some of the athletes, you know, you got Roberto Luongo, uh, Richard Seymour, the ex-NFL player, Michael Phelps, uh, Paul Pierce has uh, played several times. So uh, those people are not usually as friendly. Uh, they're totally used to people being all over them all the time. So they're not quite as fun as uh, to interact with. But, uh, you know, just to see them up close is sometimes a kind of a thrill. It really is. It's, <laughs> it's stargazing, so to speak. And like you said, uh, most of those are, you know, either the athletes or the actors are out of their normal comfort zone, Dave. So I would imagine they're, they're, that's probably one of the reasons they're not as friendly as they usually are. It's not a red carpet event for, for the actors or, or playing in a packed stadium for these athletes. But, uh, yeah, they, they got a little bit of everything at, at the World Series of Poland. Back to his list of things he'll miss, watching and learning. Uh, 
he said, if you're, if you're out there at like him covering an event, obviously you have things to do, but if you're a player as well, uh, it's a great chance to watch, observe, learn, talk to some of these players about things to make your game better. So, uh, just being up close for that is so much different than seeing a few hands, uh, you know, several weeks later that, uh, are highlights, but to actually see how players react at the table is very valuable. I know I'd have a lot of fun there, Dave. I'm sure. Number five, the main event. Well, we know what the main event's all about and and how uh, the Thunderdome, as they call the final table, a lot of people that get down that feature table. I can remember uh, uh, Hayden Fortini was on the final table, was on that table one year, and we got a chance to see him play a bunch of hands later on TV. But that's uh, a pretty cool thing. And then number four is the main event, Money Bubble, which uh, – Dreams are dashed and dreams come true uh, with people trying to just make it to the money. And just to see everybody, of course, you know, Joe, that the uh, dealers will stand up when they deal each hand when they're on the bubble and wait till everybody's done before they start in and play another hand. Uh, That's one of the things that uh, is kind of uh, a lot of spotlight on things. And, of course, some players take advantage of that, and some players are just want to back into the money and will uh, fold a lot of good hands. Well, listen, uh, that, that's always been the talk about how this uh, people get up so that you know that you're on the bubble. And remember, Phil Helm, you've taken advantage of all of this situation uh, of constantly raising these people who don't want to be busted out right before the bubble. So. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things seeing those people, all those dealers standing up with all those hundreds of tables still, still up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, number three on his list is uh, the fans, and basically he's talking about the final table fans, and it's become a tradition year after year for the final table for people to come and wear the matching t-shirts and, and cheer their crowds on. Uh, Kevin Maz had a big group last year from Chicago. And, you know, we've seen uh, the backers of Quee win a few years ago when he went on to the title. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's fun to just see uh, the support that people get for their friends. And some of the European rails uh, are rowdy, rowdy and crazy and uh, maybe even cross the line on some things, but it's part of the spectacle of uh, the main event. The number two is the main event final table in general out there. And the number one is uh, how many things uh, there are to do in Vegas and everything that surrounds the entirety of the tournament, whether some people, uh, usually Burning Man falls in there and it's it's a couple hundred mile drive, but a lot of people drive over for that. So there's always a lot of talk about that. Uh, but there's a lot of uh, other uh, attractions in town besides the casinos, uh, you know, people that want to go to the top of the stratosphere or uh, ride the uh, New York, New York uh, uh, roller coaster, roller coaster and that sort of thing. And, you know, some great things. A lot of times there's NBA play out there during the summer where teams will uh, big name players and you can drive over and do some games. So, um, again, uh, none of that happening this year. But maybe it will later in the fall. I don't know what the latest you've heard about it, but uh, there's a good chance, I guess, that they could have a main event later uh, in the years out there. Well, listen, last week I joined the show a little late, and I, I, I missed uh, some of our our guests' uh, comments. And I'm sure you asked, I think it was Howard, what he thought about maybe doing four, five, six-handed 
tournaments out there and how they would get that. I, I don't know if you address if he addressed that with you last week, Dave. Well, um, we did, and and he obviously, like you, doesn't like the forehanded. The six they can live with, and uh, so can I. Yeah. <laughs> so again, there'll be some stuff out there, uh, but who knows? Uh, who knows what's going to happen out there? I don't think that the uh, recurrence of this coronavirus out there has been as serious as it has been here in Florida, in Texas, in Arizona, and California. But uh, I do want to talk a little bit about that because you just went back to work and <laughs> now you are uh, shut down again. Tell us what uh, you've been going through the last few days. Well, you know, it's it really sucks. But uh, here in Florida, we know the numbers have just been, you know, going through the roof. You know, uh, when they hit 8,000, everybody, oh, my God. Then all of a sudden, nine, ten. 11,000, almost 11,500 on July 4th. I have not seen the numbers for the last two days. I don't know if, you know, if you or Joe have seen those numbers, but uh, as soon as I saw them surging, uh, it sucks that we opened the room because the casino opened up two weeks prior to the room. Uh, we opened up the room. It was open less than a week. And I t- kept telling everybody, if these numbers keep surging, I just anticipated that this was going to happen, and it did. I didn't want it to because it sucks. Uh, luckily for me, I was earning a paycheck since since they, you know, since the casino opened up. But for the poker staff, most of the poker staff, they were not, and it and it does hurt, Dave. You know, you yeah. you, you get all excited, you know, all of a sudden you're you're back into your routine, and then bam, you know, you get your legs cut out from under you. Well, basically, the situation is uh, the mayor of Dade County, uh, Carlos Jimenez, and the city of Miami, uh, Francisco Suarez, uh, they have decided to, uh, well, they were going to close the casinos. Now there's been a reversal in the last uh, day or so. And uh, I think the poker rooms might be closed, but maybe some of the casinos might be able to stay open uh, beginning soon. I'm not sure. I I have not heard. I heard that... um... He was reversing something on the gyms. The gyms, on, uh, you know, the- and the, well, I don't know if he rescinded. Uh, I have not seen today since I was <laughs> on grandpa duty all day today, but I okay. uh, haven't seen the news. Um, I know I haven't received any texts or emails concerning that the casino may open up much sooner than we anticipated. We thought it'd be two to three weeks. You know that yesterday he came out with a mandate stating that he was going to close dine-in restaurants, uh, the strip clubs, bowling alleys, movie theaters, which were about to open up, and he, you know, delayed that again uh, starting tomorrow. So maybe you could inform me on something different than that. Well, I don't know about the strip clubs. Uh, I haven't been to one in a long time, <laughs> but that's the funny thing I saw about that was uh, how weird it was to get a lap dance from a dancer with that was wearing a mask. <laughs> I want to see how they do social distancing there, huh? Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> and uh, but, the other thing that, that people should know about down here in South Florida is uh, the Indian, um, the tribes, uh, Seminole Hard Rock, Miccosukee, are not under the same restrictions. And also Broward has not completely shut down a lot of these same things that they have shut down and that are, are going to be shutting down in Dade this week. Yeah, I, there's. I, I was in Broward most of the day today, and you know, their casinos, as we know, you know, uh, Dania, uh, the Big Easy, and Gulfstream, 
where all none of them have closed. Restaurants are not under any special mandate that like that they're going to be tomorrow. You know, with the dining being closed, so a uh, huge advantage for our our neighbor our neighboring county up uh, just just north of us. Um, and I'm sure a lot of very angry people here in Miami Dade. Yeah, uh, well, knowing that those people are going there. Seminole Hard Rock, I guess, will be open uh, for some time to come. Uh, Coconut Creek as well. Uh, still to be decided whether places like uh, Big Easy and a couple others in Broward, whether they'll stay open. But as far as you know, uh, Magic City, Hialeah, Miami, and uh, Calder and Calder are all shut down. Right. The Big Easy, Dania, and Gulfstream and the Isle uh, would only close down if if the uh, mayor of, of uh, Broward County or or their immediate city mayors decided to implement what, what the mayor Jimenez and Suarez have done year and day. Okay, well, we'll keep people up to date on what's happening there. We'll also keep uh, track of some of the tournaments. Uh, let's take our final break on the program. When we come back, uh, I want to bring Joe Costello in after the break, uh, talk about uh, kind of a South Florida uh, broadcaster that's friends of all of ours that passed away uh, in the last day or so. And uh, I want to want to talk about that just briefly for those of you who are fans of South Florida radio and listen to radio shows over the years. Uh, Neil Rogers, producer, uh, Jorge Rodriguez or George Rodriguez passed away. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Poker Action Line here from South Florida. And Big Dave and Joe will be back with Joe Costello when we return from this break. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. segment of the program uh joe costello's gonna jump in here uh, joe had to uh 
had a family situation, need to uh, get away. So uh, Joe Costello has been hosting our program for over 10 years, Uh, been a big part of the show. I knew Joe from uh, way back. Uh, He's obviously been a big part of the motor racing scene, uh, stock cars, uh, NASCAR, Indy, and of course, uh, the drag racing, the NHRA, and does his regular show every week. Uh, but Joe worked at uh, the famous sports station, uh, 560 WQAM. And I guess uh, you worked a little bit directly with Neil Rogers over the years. Uh, Joe, George Rodriguez was Neil's longtime producer, even in all the years that the bird was on with Neil. And brings back a lot of memories back then. I don't know exactly when those two started together, but uh, you've been doing some work in radio with him on the side. He has a site called uh, SoFlow Radio and some stuff there. And I think you kind of got your start back in radio again when you came back uh, doing some shows on there. Oh, well, yes, it's very sad, Dave. And, you know, I, I come on here every once in a while and comment on whatever it is. This is definitely a bummer. But I was uh, very happy to have worked directly with Neil a lot and George as well. They had a great run. Neil Rogers has been a hit in South Florida for those who are like radio people. And you know, Dave, how it is. There's TV people and there's radio people and then there's talk radio people. And the talk radio market in Miami, South Florida, has been like one of the hottest markets back to the 80s. And Neil was a huge part of it, if not the epicenter of it. And had a great career doing topical talk radio, but then innovated his show, The Neil Rogers Show, on Zeta 4, and then moved to WIOD. And that's kind of where George Rodriguez came into the scene. George was a very talented Renaissance-type character, very knowledgeable about many things. Cuban-born, came to the United States to escape communism by an airplane which is very important that he everybody know. Uh, he didn't float up on something. He always said, you know, I was part of that. This is what George would always say. I got here on a plane, and it matters. Ask. And he's, so, he's, he was not a balsero. He, he, he wasn't. And uh, immediately moved, after some time in South Florida, moved to Libby, Montana, where he grew up in many ways a mountain man. You know, learned to start fires and with the, you know, learned to live outdoors and read maps and all of these amazing things. But eventually moved back to South Florida and got into radio, spent time repoing cars for a stint and got into radio. And he was just a detail oriented doer. He got the job done. Not only that, he got it done well. He knew how to get something done, even if it was a challenge. And uh, Neil took a liking to that. He got a job as a fill-in producer when Neil's actual producer was out sick or had an issue. And it was he wally pipped the guy, really. And he became uh, Lou Gehrig. He became the guy. And he spent the rest of Neil's career working with Neil as Neil's producer. Now, every great radio show knows that, or someone who follows radio knows that great radio shows have great radio producers. You can't have a terrible producer and still have a good show. Uh, That's why I think this show is so successful, by the way, but that's a different matter. (laughs) Anyway, uh, when Neil and George were at uh, 610 WIOD and so successful, 
I was working in a warehouse in Pompano Beach at a Yamaha watercraft shop, listening, dreaming of being in radio. And I got a job at 560 WQAM, the sports radio station. And they had the first team with Joe Rose and uh, Goldie, and they were going on. And they also had Hank Goldberg in the afternoon. And Hank and uh, Phil Hendry would go back and forth in the radio wars and the ratings. And I remember fighting guys in the warehouse who to listen to, Phil Hendry or Hank Goldberg. Regardless, I end up working at 560 and feeling happy I had a radio job, but bummed that it was sports radio. And it was very strict sports radio. There was not a lot of entertainment value other than rosters and roster cuts and player personnel decisions and that kind of stuff you might find in the real hardcore sports radio, which has now moved on, by the way. It's not like that anymore. Well, it was announced that the Neil Rogers show was leaving 610 WIOD because Paxton bought out Cox, Paxton bought out Cox and Neil didn't want to be there anymore. And so he made a deal with Greg Reed, who owned Beasley Reed Broadcasting, and they were bringing Neil's show to QAM. And I was like, man, I'm in heaven. This is it. My favorite show is coming to the station I work at. And I met George and George realized right away I wasn't a sports nerd and that I enjoyed the show and entertainment value. And so they brought me in as the associate producer. So his whole time at QAM, I was the associate producer from, say, 1997 when they arrived to the time I got my own show, the Joe and Mark show, overnights on QAM in like 2003. So um, working with Neil... And more importantly, when Neil started taking the summers off, working with George to create those summer shows and the impossible task of filling in for a Radio Hall of Famer and keeping the numbers, which were typically 12 to 15 share, as high as possible. And in those summers, uh, George got eights and a great job was accomplished and yada, 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 et cetera, and so on. He died. Uh, he passed away, I guess, a couple of days ago. You found out on on uh, social media from Phil Hendry, who was uh, a star in his own right and obviously has moved out to California and, and gone, done some other things. Uh, but uh, George was only 55 years old and, and had a massive heart attack while eating with his daughter. Yes, it, it, it's an it's insane story and everyone we need to learn lessons. Um, the. The idea that George suffered a crazy heart attack and just dropped dead, he roller skated, he was fitness oriented, he was into yoga, he did everything as best as he could for himself. And he told me, we talk uh, a fair amount, the kind of friend that you see, you know, once, twice a year in the world of hard work and moving and shaking and going, but always kept up with George and I'd go see him a couple times a year and we would talk about fighting aging, you know, you got to stay moving, you got to keep going, it was on his mind. Uh, He had daughters And the idea that out of nowhere he would clutch his chest and it would be over is just horrible and troubling. And all of we should all all of us, we should do everything we can to enjoy the moment that we have right now, because you just never know if anyone was going to live a long life and prosper. It was going to be George and 55 is all he got. Well, I I look back at my career in in South Florida radio. A lot of it was uh, backing up Eddie Kaplan who had a sports show nightly and I would do some shows when he was doing the pregame for the heat. Uh, and I worked a lot with him. And of course we did the shows at highlight, the, uh, the live remotes from inside highlight. But when I started out my career, I went to WNWS right out of university of Miami and Neil was a, a star there. And this was before he did the show that really made him popular. The comedy show with all the uh, taped bits and the sayings and everything that we came uh, to love over the years. But he was strictly 
you know, a politics kind of guy. It was uh, it was a talk station. Um, most of the hosts were fairly liberal. You know, Jerry Williams, Al Rantel, who I produced his show. Um, and then we had a couple of, uh, you know, conservatives, Jerry Wichner and uh, yeah. Shirley Peters and, and all those people. And it was a great time. I came right out of college and worked there. I learned a lot about life. And uh, we used to sit around in the office. Uh, Neil would go on after Al and, uh, you know, while there was a show on in the afternoon and, and just tell stories and, and uh, a very enjoyable time uh, working with Neil. Not only that, but I got a chance to travel on a couple of University of Miami baseball games uh, with Neil. And he was one of the great play-by-play sports guys of all time that a lot of people don't even realize. Neil Rogers got so true, and the, the only the, the bummer of the whole thing is that uh, George and Neil were peers. As great as Neil was at what he did, George was that good at what he did. Right. And, of course, Neil got all the money and all the credit, but he was enabled by George and freed up to be the talent that he was because George fought the salespeople and battled the fights with the program director and handled a lot of business until like it was, it was the, you know, the ultimate closer. If, if it got a serious, then you brought Neil in on it and Neil would just crush the person and it would be over. But it was an amazing time. And it was amazing. Like I carry that with me so close to my heart, even now uh, trying to make it in the racing world but my heart was at the Neil Rogers show and that kind of radio and that stuff. And a piece of that died on Friday and I miss my friend and there will be a tribute we did on my ignition show on WFORadio.com. I told the stories back to the day, uh, did a lot of that. And we're going to we're going to we're going to memorialize George Rodriguez as best as we can and just follow on social media. Go on Facebook, search for it. You'll find it for you all. All you South Florida radio files. Yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not real close with George at all. Uh, I did know him a little bit, uh, you know, over the years. But I got to say, he had uh, he had a tough job working for Neil because Neil basically did whatever he, whatever the hell he wanted to do, whether it was living in Toronto or going, uh, you know, to uh, uh, overseas to uh, Amsterdam and, and spending summers and things like that. And it had to be tough for George, but he kept the boat afloat and uh, Neil was so talented that he could pull it off. Uh, well, yes. And that is the moral of it all. It's just so sad because you build this amazing empire and you know, 10 years later, it's gone. And the people who remember, remember, but what is it? You know, there's not even a statue, nothing like that. To quote the Godfather, something Neil and George would both do all the time. Um, but that's the way it works. You get the time yeah. that you get while you're here. Their views on religion were both very well known and popularized. They did great things while they were here. They are with us. They're in our hearts. And it's just uh, it's now it's time to move on. But we're going to we're going to spend some time like I want to dig up the stories. I want them to be bury stories in the back of your mind. You don't remember them all. And people are jogging my memory with stories. And so many amazing stories are coming back. Times that George almost got fired. Times that I almost got fired. Big fights. Fights in the studio. Other talents attacking me. Bo Griffin. You may remember Bo Griffin got into it big time with me. And who saved me? Neil and George. They saved me. And it was a horrible experience. I went through a very negative experience. And those two, they said, first George. George, got a problem. George went to Neil. They came in. They saved my career. Um, from being destroyed by a crazy person. Uh, all kinds of insane stuff like that. We're digging it all up, and, and over the next couple of weeks, it's going to come out. 
And obviously nothing to do with poker, but uh, we appreciate you indulging us and letting both of us uh, talk about an important part of our life uh, in in this radio business. Yes, thank you, poker listener. I appreciate you allowing me to mourn my friend. (laughs) Uh, that's going to do it for tonight's show. The World Series of Poker online series goes on throughout the month of July. And then the GG Poker aspect will kick in beginning July 19th. We'll keep everybody up to date on what's going on with the World Series. You can always catch our show. Again, good places, Spotify and SoundCloud, probably the two best. And good places for you to uh, send them to your friends and to uh, rate and review the show, which we hope you will always do. We'll be with you another show next week. Uh, Joe Rodriguez uh, had to leave a little early on the show tonight, but he'll be back. And uh, it's touch and go here in South Florida with uh, the health of of all of our citizens and what's going to happen with all our entertainment venues. Uh, We're getting through it, and we're all in it together. So uh, we really hope that that you'll follow us every week here on Poker Action Line. That's going to do it for the show. We'll catch you next week with another edition.